Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Travis Knight. I am the Associate Artistic Director and a member of the ensemble at A Red Orchid Theater here in Chicago. And before we jump into this episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out and a thank you to a few of our Revolution sponsors. First up, we got John Sapira, our development sponsor, our production sponsors, Barbara and Randy Thomas, and our beverage sponsor, Revolution Brewing. Also, thanks for the use of our theme song, I Already Do, by A Red Orchid ensemble member Steve Haggard, who is currently starring as Harry Potter on Broadway. So, engorgio to him. Now, this episode of Talking Tech is a conversation with Revolution costume designer and A Red Orchid ensemble member Myron Elliott. Myron has worked on a number of Red Orchid productions, most notably his Jeff Award-winning costume design in our 2022 production of The Moors, which went on to win four additional awards that evening, including Best Play. Myron's other Chicago credits include work with Steppenwolf, North Light, 16th Street, and many more, both in Chicago and regionally. He is also an assistant professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. And my goodness, this bio is stacked. I always love working with Myron, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Have a great day. Thanks very much. Oh, I'm not, I guess I'm not Ayatsi. I knew I'd say it, but I'm not, I'm not Ayatsi. All right, I got to get educated, I guess. Myron, my fellow ensemble member yeah we're we're cohort buddies we are cohort buddies it's it's so good to see look at us our first show together was what small mouth sounds mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all those years ago all those years ago and you know that's always my favorite costumes when people don't have to wear clothes yeah there was yeah you didn't have to worry about anything there was nothing to worry about then no, I still think I have fitting photos from that process on my phone somewhere. And there's a few where as we were trying to to find the right look, I inadvertently really made you look like a modern Aladdin. So you did, you know, that, that never made it to stage. I don't think I don't think we ever got there. I don't think we did either. I mean, who knows? We're going to probably work together again at some point. Let's find it. I did look like Aladdin in a couple of those. I think you sent me one of those a while yeah. back. It's it's, it, you know. If I'm going to hang on to putting photos, those are some of the good ones. I love that. I love that for us. So talk to me about Revolution. I have to laugh because you sent me a text after you read the script and you said, I can bring some Southern Illinois insight to the table. I've dot, 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 probably met these people. 100%. Say more. Say more about that. I mean, there's something about when you find this connection point in a script where you're like, oh, wait a minute. I know this person and I'll, I'll reference ampersands one more time in that in, in discovering that character with Megan, she, she said something like there was two points where it was like, Oh, is she like a roller derby lady? Right. It was that moment. Like there was that moment of like, where does this person fit? And then it dawned on me. I'm like, Oh, this lady is like, is like my aunt. And then it just all clicked. I was like, Oh, we need extensions. We do need a leather jacket. There was something that just made it click and i was like cool 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 i'm gonna go buy you some liquid eyeliner and that's gonna make this you know one step closer to this person that i actually know who defies description in the same way that this character also kind of defies description so in the way that some playwrights write and i think in some in the ways that brett writes i think brett you know bases some of these folks off of people that he's met and there's overlap and you know i grew up in central illinois uh brett grew up in the midwest and i went to school in southern illinois so to see that that first 
kind of setting uh note this is this is at you know outside a mall you know somewhere in southern illinois and i was like oh cool i've met my my handful of hairdressers i know people who work in retail like there's you know there's there's no true type of person but there are certainly the the people that you experience and understand their life situation or don't understand your life situation but you still you know interact with them and and find out more over time and then i think the more you find out the more you realize there's no type yeah I feel like with you, like, you know, these people, that's how I felt when I first read this script as well. I was like, why do I feel like I know Puff and Jane and Georgia for that matter? Like they all seemed so familiar to me. And I will say that costume wise, it's it's hard for me to visualize costumes. So especially something it's modern, right? It could really be whatever. And I remember the first day that everybody came in dressed in their costume, specifically Taylor. Taylor looks like a totally different person as Jane with her costume with the bangs. Rockabilly, I believe, is the style. Is that right? Am I right? Sure. Yeah, that's where that's where we kind of, I think, started. Yeah. It was incredible to see them come in and Stephanie with the red extensions in her hair. It was amazing how different they looked and how perfect they look for this world. And then I'm sure you'll talk about it, but you talk about you shop at the places that these characters probably would for their clothing and you nailed it. And then also with Georgia, it looked like she rolled right out of a shift at the Ross's Dress for Less. Yeah. I have to, I have to attribute to my my former colleague from Stephen Wolf days. Uh, May Haskins had this her uh, this was where I got it from. I don't know if she got it from somebody else, but she had this theory called method shopping. She was the design assistant there for a long time, and so she said if like if the person would shop at Kohl's, I'm going to shop at Kohl's, which is you know a, a great moment until the person shops at Saks. We don't usually have the the dollars to shop at Saks or Neiman's, right? Then we got to figure out the the more resourceful way to do that. But you know, thinking about you know, are these people these people work in in retail and where would they actually be getting their their things which you can kind of bend that around like if you're if, if we're in a thrift zone which you know i thrift uh, uh, happily it's a place i i enjoy being but like looking then at brands like even if you're not shopping at the actual store looking for brands that would be in that person's kind of you know socioeconomic space and figuring that out so yeah it, it 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 did come from you know things came from ross things came from nordstrom rack were like the nice things that's my in my life that's where my nice things come from too i love nordstrom rack <laughs> come on now are still the you know the uh, uh, i'm like i want to go to the nicer store but i'm going to go to the clarence section right uh <laughs> Who pays retail? Not me. Uh, and certainly not with my with my theater budgets either. I think the biggest, not even curve, but like, you know, I, I was able to meet with with Stephanie. I was able to meet with Taylor. And I met briefly with Natalie as well. But then the I came in and saw her run. And it was a night where Natalie had to be out. And I saw her, her wonderful understudy, Melissa, do that first kind of stumble through in space. And that was fantastic information all around. But I didn't fully get to tap into what Natalie was doing with Georgia. So, you know, I, what my, my space was still very much kind of Mm, washed up mom in a in a very plain way in that in that way if that makes any sense and coming back to her it came down to things like shoes where i was like cool here's some kind of safe mom shoes she's like i think it's not that she she's bringing me these other like options as like what if it's this and like oh this is kookier than i thought and i'm like and then i saw her do it and i was like oh because she's doing more kooky than i maybe initially 
assumed would be there right on the page which is fantastic and that's you know i think that's an energy that natalie brings to it that i think is is what kind of lights up a lot of the script so to figure out you know is it these kind of weird pink sneakers and then we had this text conversation when i was kind of we we're coming into into tech and, and putting clothes together and i said natalie does she, does she wear a bolo tie and 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 she didn't reply. We're still talking about shoes. And we're talking about the glasses she's going to wear. And I, I reiterated, I said, Natalie, does she wear a bolo tie? And I have one in my closet. And I sent her a picture. I'm like, is this Jordan? <laughs> she says, she wears a bolo tie. Like, that was the thing that I think gave me the, and it doesn't, it didn't have to be that. But I think that's a thing that instantly gives the audience, if they even perceive it. And if nothing else, it gives it gives Natalie the signifier of eccentricity because it's not an everyday thing for most people. I'm sure you have people in your life if you that you see in kind of um, in the service industry that are like semi regulars. Like you're like, oh, I know this, I know this person by face, and I know this one thing about them because they're at this business that I go to a lot. And I could imagine there being, oh, that's the lady who works at Ross who wears a bolo tie regularly, right? I have to say. The bolo tie, it's a slow burn. You said, like, if you even perceive it. I know that when she first came out in her costume, I was watching so many other things going on that I I don't think it was until deep into the run or maybe even the next day I zeroed in. I'm like, hold on a second. She have a bolo tie on? And it's such a sweet payoff. It's so funny because it's so specific. It is so wonderfully weird and specific. That's character building right there, right? So I was I was so happy that we got to that pretty quickly. In that it made the other things also kind of work and that, you know, the 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 shirt that she's wearing could be, you know, for some people, it probably feels very kind of meh. And for some people, they're like, oh, that's a really kooky shirt. It's like a it's like a denim shirt that has polka dots on it. That's one of those things that some people, depending on how comfortable they are wearing print, like I love wearing prints, uh, but some people be like, oh, my God, never. So there's there's something there that that plus the bolo tie takes it to a very different space versus that with, you know, the, the world's most like, uh, you know, plain as khakis is it goes much plainer, right? You know, there's something different about that. And that she's a little bit adrift, right? It's, it, it, there are things there that are very plain and things there that are, that are much more eccentric. And so it gives you, there's a complexity there that, you know, and that happened pretty organically. That was, that's through discussion. That's me coming to the space with more questions and answers and support, again, supporting the work that's happening and developing these folks, as opposed to me showing up with, you know, a lovely finished sketch and be like, here's what you're wearing. It's not helpful in those positions. I'm finding more and more. And it's not because I don't want to do my job. I don't want to like draw things, but I don't want to waste time and I don't want to show up and feel like I'm pressing something into the space that isn't said yet maybe we don't know exactly how they kind of manifest yet and that's you know be becoming comfortable with that has been a big step and yeah every once in a while if i wasn't in my home space i might i might be more concerned about people thinking people within our you know even within our own our our own group like this guy's just winging it i'm developing the thing alongside the especially for a new play i'm developing it alongside the play developing into itself and I think that's appropriate. I think it's 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 more and more helpful. And also it it streamlines my process and that I'm not doing it two and three times as we make discoveries. Like I'm able to pace myself with the discoveries that are happening, and that's great and helpful, but it's less about, you know, if we come with a rough idea and then we can refine it and refine it and refine it, that's great. I'm not coming to the table with no ideas, <laughs> but I am coming with a looser, less 
concrete idea so that as it shifts, it's not about breaking something apart and, and rebuilding it. It's about making adjustments. And that I think is, is becoming a process by default, like, and, and, and in a positive way, it's still, it's been a good discovery for me because it's not how we tend to teach design. I teach design, right? And we teach it as much more about making choices. That's simpler when the script is more set. And when you're in the vacuum of a classroom and you don't have to, you don't have the realities of a full cast or of, you know, a discovery in rehearsal, there's a lot more things there that are kind of imagined givens instead of actual realities. It's a different game. And and when you start applying it, things certainly shift. It's exciting. And I'm, you know, I feel super grateful to be in a, a space where I'm still learning about how to do my work in a, in the best way possible or, or making discoveries about, you know, classroom, even not, not classrooms I'm teaching in classrooms I learned in and, and applying that to my actual practice. And where, where do I continue to learn things and where do I continue to maintaining and building myself as a collaborator more so than an individual artist is still very much a journey. It's, it's an interesting, I mean, as artists, we are constantly honing our craft. We are constantly refining what we do. And you talking about as a designer coming in, everybody has a process, right? Like the actors have, you know, at Red Orchid, we've got four or five weeks to block the show, to get it up, to stage it, to run it, to we work on so much of it over the course of weeks. And then, you know, designers, as you mentioned earlier, you'll come and see a designer run, which is when the designers will come and watch a stumble through so they can see like what the actors are doing. It's always nerve wracking for the actors too, because they're like, oh no, there's people here to watch me. But you know, we're told always, don't worry. Nobody is actually watching you. They're looking at where you're sitting. They're looking at how you're holding yourself. So they know what to put you in. But it's an interesting conversation to be had. And the thing that people need to remember is like for the designers, especially like when we hit tech. So for sound and lights in particular and set, once we hit tech, that's kind of their first day of school, right? Like that's, they haven't had four weeks of rehearsal. This is now their time to start their process. That was one of the great bits of advice I got from Shade Murray, one of our fellow ensemble members. It was like that, those, that first weekend of tech, he told me I should download a game on my phone because it was my job just to sit there and like let designers do their work and then give them a thumbs up and answer their questions when they had them, but it was not time for me to give notes yet. And I think that's a valuable thing to think about in terms of process. I love that. I love that about working with Shade and that he just, he walked over and he told me, he said, I'm not going to give you notes because I know you're doing your own notes right now. You tell me when you're ready for feedback, when you feel like it's, you're ready for that next level of information from me. He's like, unless there's something that's really glaring issue that I think needs to be headed off at a pass, I'm not going to give you notes yet. This is your time. And I was like, thank you. That, that was huge to even to say, you know, I'm going to trust you to do your own work first. Then that's, that builds a level of trust and realizing I'm not being micromanaged. My, my process is being acknowledged that that's fantastic. You know, there, there's things about our tech processes that I think are actually work really well, not just for us. I think it could work in bigger ways for more spaces, but I'm glad they're becoming part of how we do things instead of just something we tried once. Myron, tell me about tattoos. I know that you did a bunch of work, like research into Floyd's barbershop. What's so funny to me is you would come back to me with somehow you found their employee handbooks or something. You were able to tell me about employee stuff at Ross and Floyd's and you looked into everything that they're wearing. So talk to me about that and then talk to me about tattoos. And you yourself have a bunch of tattoos. So you know a little something about that. Yeah, it was one of those moments of, you know, we're dealing with pretty specific actual businesses in this space. And then, and then, you know, revolution is kind of loosely based around the playwrights experience uh, with their own 
barbershop, which which is the Floyd's. So I was like, cool. If that's the aesthetic we're kind of leaning towards, and you know, and it was like, is it Floyd's or is it like Great Clips? Um, and that's two different, very different places to work. Right? Uh, both valid, by the way, Noah. <laughs> But like, look, researching and like, I looked and there's just like finding stuff on the internet and like, cool, there's got to be an employee handbook or something. And so for Floyd's, you can wear whatever you want. They, they encourage individual expression. And it seems like it's part of their branding for people to kind of bring some of their own personality. And I think that, you know, I, it, it, as a business model, it makes sense. You're like, cool, I go to this person instead of like, I just show up at a Floyd's and whoever cuts my hair. When you're invested in that person, you're going to go back. So leaving, leaving some room for folks to show some personality, but then also so the kind of unwritten's where it's like, but most people dress kind of like this. And, you know, seeing, you know, thinking about two employees who work at the same place, like who's going to lean into that really individual expression and who's going to kind of default to something lower maintenance, thinking about that with, you know, what is the difference between Jam and Puff? So that's, that was that's a fun place to kind of explore. And then with Ross, it was hilarious because they don't publish anything, but there were like Reddit forums where people were like, can I wear this? And they're like, no, you can't wear that. And then somebody, my favorite one was like, wear something that you'd wear to church, but not on Sunday. And I'm like, that's it. Damn, that's really specific. <laughs> that's really good. That was on Reddit. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was on some, you know, some, some forum space like that. And I was like, that is actually really specific. And I think ties into, you know, that's that was part of my lived experience. I know what that means, right? Oh, good old Reddit. And especially for Georgia too, living with her religious husband and having the church be such a big part of their lives. That's great. Yeah. So that idea of where, what is that sweet spot of, of dress code? And you're talking about like modern dress stuff earlier. It's so tricky because it, it usually does lean towards being more invisible or because it's so familiar to everybody, like often people who don't have opinions will suddenly have an opinion and you're like, cool, I got to make everybody happy because everybody's an expert on, you know, what this is right now. I don't find that in our spaces necessarily I feel a little more trust than that. But I know in other times I've done modern dress shows, I've had people like a producer turn to me and be like, what about what if the jeans were this? And you're like, oh, who are you? <laughs> Would have been nice to hear, you know, a few weeks ago, maybe. Right. So yeah, there's that that was kind of a fun uh, adventure. And the tattoos did did really factor into a lot of the imaging around specifically Floyd's. We've got really specific tattoo needs within this show in that there's a, a specific character written into one of them. So those those were those were custom done. Uh, so we have a, a specific Looney Tunes Warner Brothers character that I, I'll, I'll leave it un, unknown for, for the sake of, of this moment. Uh, but oh, I mean, I think I'm assuming most people who listen to this have already seen the shows. So I've already seen it. So okay, can... so, so we know it's Gossamer, right? Uh <laughs> The big reveal, Gossamer. The big reveal is, no, so those, those we got custom done. And here in my head, uh, I remember from, again, from my my days back in the shop at Steppenwolf, they always used a very specific company. And I went to find this company and they no longer exist. And I said, oh no. But then, you know, things have changed so much in the technology. You know, people are doing all these tap tattoos for promotional items and for kind of freebies and swag, right? Which I had never really, really thought about. And I was able to get them done. Like it was, I didn't have to talk to a single person. I just got, I went on a website and I uploaded an image and I told them how many I wanted and, you know, all some, some specs here and there. And they came in and they looked great. Like, but I will say there was the, the day before they came in, um, I went and bought some, because we were just working with, you know, the timetable of getting, you know, making sure where there's something there. When, when we had an audience in the room for previews. So there was one day I freehanded on our tattoo and I was weirdly proud of myself for a decent freehand Warner Brothers character. It, <laughs> listen, hey, you all listening at home, if you happened to see Revolution's first preview, that tattoo that Stephanie Shum revealed of Gossamer was hand-drawn 
by Myron Elliott. It was impressive. How long did that take you to do that? Like two minutes. It really didn't take long at all. Two minutes. I just had it on my, I had it on my phone. And I was like, here we go. It's going to be good enough. And it worked fine. I'd still be working on it right now. It was it was pretty hilarious. And then I had this moment. I, I think I told this to you one night. After I had drawn the the thing, I became more specifically acquainted with the shoes that Gossamer wears. And then that night when she took the Marvin the Martian, you know, out of the box, I was like, oh, they have the same shoes. Like they Gossamer and and Marvin the Martian have the same cartoon shoes. So they have that in common. Uh, it made it made me really happy to see that. But yeah, the other ones, the the tattoos for for James, those actually come from a set. There's like a different a different company that makes these whole like kind of I don't want to say stereotyped, but certainly uh, archetype collections of tattoos that come on a big sheet. So you can get ones that are like prison tattoos or biker tattoos. I think this is the hipster tattoo set, and those come on a, on a sheet. And I was like, you know, we we just had to get everything in enough multiples to go for this whole run, um, and knowing that you know our actor, our actors may need to take them off when they're not in our spaces and in our shows. I left a lot of it up to the actors as far as placement because that's all very kind of personal and like, I wanted to get the, them to have as much tie as possible without everything being fully fully custom but yeah my my tattoos you've seen them all I all of them they're you know, I'm only on my arms uh there's nothing anywhere else on me as of right now yeah arms what hold up but what about all the teardrops on your face that you've got yeah oh that's just from from when I did my time yeah that's right. uh <laughs> The only teardrops on my face are the ones that from me crying during tech. No. Yeah. Fearful, uh, <laughs> fearful, sad times in tech. Um, but no, I like it's it, it's also really smart of of how Brett kind of acknowledges that this is part of popular culture now, or especially younger, younger culture, that tattoos mean something very different to the to a to a different generation and even like the idea of is it a shock that either of these younger women have tattoos not a bit is it a shock that a character who's kind of of an older generation may clearly it's should be a little bit of a shock to the audience and clearly it's something that she does to to be more rebellious or audacious or something about that that you know is is held in a very different regard because of where they are generationally and we're talking about the the butt butterfly tattoo, yeah. Yeah, even 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 if it wasn't on her butt, it would still be like a huh. It's notable, you know. For me, I I notice having tattoos. I notice other people's tattoos. The hilarious thing is, like, often I don't always love other people's tattoos, but it doesn't. I don't have to love it. It doesn't have to mean anything to me. It has to mean something to them, or it doesn't. It doesn't have to mean anything. They have to enjoy it, right? Or I hope they enjoy it. And maybe people don't like mine, and that's fine too. But I like mine. So that, that there's something about perceiving someone's age and i think and I, I i project when i see tattoos of people in that i go okay they're this type of tattoo person they're just like they just like getting them it doesn't matter what it is it, it can be a you know a, a bag of cheetos on their elbow and that's great for them and 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 cool but for me it's it's always like a really really thought out process and i plan it for you know months or years and kind of go okay this is the, this is the moment i'll get a new one here soon and i've been thinking about it for probably a year i just haven't not yet, but it's it's all very weirdly personal, but then, you know, personal, it's permanent, and it can be very public. I enjoyed kind of re-exploring that, that space, too. I'm, I am glad that it was not written into the script that I had to do a full back piece. Of Penelope Pussycat? You know, at least at least she says, I have one on my back, but you can't see it without me taking my whole shirt off. And like, thank you, playwright. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> Thanks for that. Man, that'd be a lot. I did I did a play once years ago and I had to have a full back tattoo among several other tattoos. It took forever and I don't even think the audience saw it, honestly. So I don't know why I was back there. 
I did a production of, I'm going to leave all names out of this. There was a production of uh, R&J where that was the kind of difference between the two families was like these different types of tattoos. And that's how it was all like very like literal markings on them. And the person playing Romeo had a lot of tattoos, but they weren't the right style of tattoos. So he still had to like cover them up and put other ones over it. And this is, this is crazy. (laughs) I just thought of something. So for those of you who've seen the show, our poster, the, the one that was drawn by Freebird, who's amazing. The picture of Natalie in there, her her rendering on there is from an actual photograph of Natalie West that Brett sent me when they went and visited the Rainforest Cafe together. And it's so what she's wearing in that poster in that picture is a Natalie West original outfit. Did that factor into your, I know that you went to Ross and y'all talked about it, but like, did you use that as a jumping off point when you saw that rendering or the picture? I didn't specifically, but I think, you know, there's, there's so much about this production that are pieces of these actual people. And yeah, are they wearing costumes? Yes. And that's, you know, it's consistency and it's, and it's, and it's bumping them away out of their own personal selves into this other version. But I think pieces, you know, there's pieces of Natalie in this character. There's specifics there that are specific to Georgia, but I think, you know, Natalie is bringing part of her own self onto the stage in the same way that, you know, I, the one time I worked with Natalie before was during talk house, even the talk house. And there were pieces of, of that character that were also pieces of Natalie, but there were different parts. The, the whole bullet tie conversation happened totally independently. And I was like, this is kind of how we got to this like signature accessory thing of the scarf that she had during talk house as well. And I was like, that's, you know, it's part of her and my process with each other, I guess, is this kind of like signature accessory that kind of bumps this person this certain way. But I think we're leaving space for the actual actor inhabiting the role. And so, you know, I don't, in the same way that we're like, when we're approaching understudy costumes, I worked with our understudy and I'm like, cool, I don't need you to be exactly like our primary cast because you're not. I need you to be the version of you in this cast. And I think that there was an amazing moment I don't know if you were there for this run during production of the Moors, where primary cast Jen Engstrom couldn't go on one night. It was early, very early in our process. And Stephanie Chum, who's in this, is in Revolution, went on for her early, like it was either the previews or very, very early in her. And there, you know, everybody was, you know, a little, I think a little nervous, certainly in, in her corner. And Jen Engstrom brought something to that role so specific and the pieces of Jen and the way that Jen inhabits the world and brings the energy to the parts she is cast in to see an understudy go into that role and bring their own energy into it and bring this whole different performance in ways that the space around Jen was kind of rough and brash. What Stephanie brought to the part was much more deadpan, but it was still hilarious. It was still effective. It still hit a tone that worked with the rest of the show, but in a completely different way. So I think trying to honor what each actor is bringing to that. Yeah. Georgia looks a little bit like Natalie and and that's who's on the poster, right? There's pieces of that are very much a factor of it. And that's, that's again, coming from this whole germination standpoint of like, we don't need to make her somebody else. We don't need to put her in a wig. You don't, we don't need to make this so, so, so different because the root of that character, I don't think is so, so different. There is and shout out to our shout out to our wonderful, our wonder studies on revolution. Melissa, Alice and Haley, y'all are amazing. They're amazing. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. I have been costumed by you twice now, which has been awesome. And now I got to work with you in this capacity on the other side of the table. 
and it's been a joy all around. And I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate having your voice and your expertise and your known quantity self in the room with me. It was really reassuring. It made my job so much easier. I feel like I got very lucky with this creative team. So thank you for for being there and going along on the ride and making this a really special and wonderful experience. I think kudos to the whole team. I think this was a, this was a, uh, it's funny. I realized I was like, oh, I'm not the young person. I'm not the the green person on this team anymore. Uh, this was a, this is a pretty young team. And I don't mean young necessarily as in like, you know, what, what year are you born? But just like in folks that are kind of coming at this with a really fresh energy, some folks kind of straight out of school, some folks you know, it, new to us. So they're coming in with that kind of like, ah, you know, there's there's this this moment. Yeah, I did. I I felt much more. I felt very grounded during this process in a way that was about kind of. I have experience here. I know the ropes. I, I and 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 I did feel like there were moments where I, I was able to say, oh, you know, raise raise a hand and be like, cool. This is how we usually solve this problem. Like I I have this. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, Institutional knowledge. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Wow. Um, it's amazing. Once you're being recorded, you can't find words. Yes, I got you. I'm here for you. But yeah, this institutional knowledge that I think not just trying to be like a know-it-all, but you know, having moments where like, if this is helpful, this is thing we've explored before, maybe. Or being able to, t- to just be able to talk to you about things that aren't closed and you know, bring offerings to a table and to a process that are hopefully that one one click zoomed out and that and that makes me feel closer to being like a capital a artist instead of you know a costumer you know somebody who's just there to go get the go get the shoes i'm able to be invested in these processes in a lot different way because i have agency within the space and trust and history and i i loved this this process and i i'm so happy that your first experience as a director was positive i'm so happy to to have been part of the process and yeah i hope we're we're doing this again yeah, we're gonna do it again in some capacity. There's no, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt there, and I can't wait for that day because it'll be here before we know it. Yes, it will. Thank you, Myron, for joining me today. Appreciate you. Thank you. I will see you soon. 